everybody and welcome to the TCB podcast. I'm Sheena and I'm Savannah and we have so much news here at Graceland this week. We're so excited to share it with you. There's so much going on. So much fun stuff. Um, we're going to kick it off with the big news that we uh, announced last week. If you've been on Graceland.com or any of our social media, you've no doubt seen this news. <laughs> There's a new Elvis gospel album called Where No One Stands Alone. It's going to be released Friday, August 10th. And yes, that's during Elvis week. Just in time. Yeah. <laughs> kind of perfect. Um, it's going to include a reimagined duet with Elvis and his daughter, Lisa Marie Presley, on the album's title track. And of course, if you want to celebrate that here at Graceland, you can, actually. Uh, Lisa and producers Joel Weinshanker and Andy Childs will be at a listening party during Elvis week. That's going to take place on August 11th. That's going to be incredible. I can't wait because we're going to play the title track for the first time. And so it's going to be a really emotional, you know, event for Lisa, I'm sure, and then for all of us Elvis fans. Um, And if you want to get the album, there are some really cool ways that you can go about doing that. Um, Let me tell you about a couple of exclusives, I'm sorry, first of all. Uh, Shop Graceland is going to have an exclusive limited edition versions of the album. There's going to be a a blue 12-inch vinyl uh, and a cassette because cassettes are coming back. I know, it's crazy. crazy? You can also get a CD as well. And if you go to shopgraceland.com, you'll see that they have a really cool offer. If you purchase the blue vinyl, the cassette, and the CD from Shop Graceland, you'll also receive a limited edition lithograph signed by Lisa Marie. I think I know what I'm getting my mama for Christmas. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone should get their mama this for Christmas. Oh, I think it's perfect. That is so cool. It is so cool. And then here's the thing. If you're coming to Graceland during Elvis week and you want this album as soon as humanly possible, guess what? You can select the uh, pick up at store option when you purchase at Shop Graceland and you can pick up your albums here at Graceland. So that's a really cool option that we're giving fans this year. So if you uh, if you want this album and you want it at Graceland during Elvis week that's your option go to shop uh, it's store.graceland.com and uh, that's how you can order it if you want to just know more about the album in general you can go to graceland.com it's a really awesome album we are super excited yeah it's going to be a really special Elvis week yeah I'm excited about a lot of things about Elvis week we have a lot of wonderful things going on but I gotta say this I think is the thing I'm most excited for just to be able to hear her in you know while she's in the room hear the song that she recorded you know obviously alongside the track of her father just be able to see her reaction and hear her take on it it's it's just going to be incredible so so excited make sure you guys get your tickets to that yeah and speaking of elvis week this is your reminder that elvis week is august 9th through the 18th we have some really amazing uh special guests that are going to be coming this year just a few of them include uh some of his co-stars like jenny tu and and uh, Millie Perkins, uh, the gospel group, the Imperials, the team from the 68 special, which includes Steve Bender, uh, Billy Goldenberg, Alan Bly, Mike Deasy, and so many more. Um, Special events include the 68 special 50th anniversary celebration, of course, the ultimate ETA contest, the candlelight vigil, the Elvis week dance party, which is fun. If you've never been to it, you have to do the clap, clap dance. (laughs) Yeah. It's so much fun. Um, Party at EPM, so much more. The entire schedule is at elvisweek.com right now. You can also buy your tickets there. And by the way, we announced this last week as well. Um, the website Thrillist named Memphis a must-visit city during the month of August. And why did they do that? It's just because of Elvis Week. That is so cool. Like, that was their main selling point there was you have to go to Memphis in August for Elvis Week. So 
you know, if, if other people are telling you this is a must-visit location, guess what? It is. It is a, <laughs> a pilgrimage for sure. Yeah. For most people. <laughs> Well, um, of course, during Elvis Week, uh, some of our fans' favorite parts is the Ultimate Elvis Tribute Artist Contest. Um, and we, of course, are bringing that back again this year. So we recently had two ETAs advance to the semifinal round. So we're super excited for them. Uh, Mario Kombu. Hopefully I'm saying your name right. I think so. Who plays at uh, Lake George Elvis Festival. And Nick Perkins, who won the Tupelo Elvis Festival. So these guys joined the 2018 semifinalist. And you can see a full list of those guys on Graceland.com. So the next semifinal round is the Elvis Presley Continentals Ultimate Festival in Mount Dora, Florida. Followed by contests in Canada and Australia, which is just incredible. Uh, we just added a new preliminary round at the Hard Rock Last Chance Ultimate ETA contest that's set for August 11th through the 13th. And you can find out more at Graceland.com. So yeah, super always, excited for that. Yeah, that's so much fun. You know, these guys are great representations of Elvis and his legacy. And, and it's awesome to kind of just have the best of the best all in one place. Yeah, and these guys are such big Elvis fans. I mean, they if you ever talk to them, it's interesting to hear how many of them have Elvis collections at home. Just right. like the rest of us fans do, you know. And, right. And uh, they're, they're such, they're nice guys and they're really talented and they're of course carrying on the legacy of Elvis so exactly that's cool. and for young you know youngish people like Sheena and I <laughs> we appreciate that so that's awesome and in non-Elvis Week news is that the Hallmark Channel is going to be filming Christmas at Graceland here. Uh, country star Kelly Pickler is actually going to be the star and the lead for this original movie. We are so excited for this. It's going to be a perfect addition to the holiday season. I know. I can't wait. Yeah. So filming will start soon. Um, actually, July 9th. And if you're coming to the Performing Arts Camp, a special little thing is that you actually will be in a scene of the film, and you'll be able to watch the crew kind of work on the movie. So it's going to be Christmas in July here going yes. on at Graceland. That'll be interesting to kind of explain to the guests. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's going to be awesome for the Performing Arts Camp kids to be able to be a part of that. Uh, more details about camp and, of course, the Hallmark movie will be at Graceland.com. So we're super excited to have that um, be filmed here. Yeah, and one thing I want to mention there that I forgot to mention earlier is um, I know that we're going to start filming July 9th and we'll be filming throughout the month of July. Tours will not stop because of that. We're right. going to let our guests obviously enjoy the mansion as they should and we will we'll film around everything. Don't worry about it. Your tour will not be interrupted. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's so exciting. So I can't exciting. wait for that. And speaking of the holidays, because yeah, I know it's summer, but we are already talking about Christmas in July. Um, we are going to have the holiday concert weekend here at Graceland, December 14th through the 15th. If you went to this last year, no doubt, I hope anyway, you enjoyed yourself. Um, and if you didn't get to make it, I hope you heard from some uh, some of your fellow Elvis fans who enjoyed themselves because these concerts were really spectacular. Um, the weekend will feature three festive concerts, just like last year. Uh, there'll be one Christmas and holiday concert, a gospel show, and then followed up by a huge rock and roll show. It's very exciting. And if you're a big Elvis fan, you'll want to see especially that rock and roll show because it really gives a good... Uh, sort of glimpse into what Elvis was like on stage. It's so cool and if so it's awesome. anything like last year, it is something you cannot miss. Yeah, definitely. And it's a really great Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. if, if you're looking for a Christmas gift for uh, your the Elvis fan in your life, maybe it's you. Um, <laughs> treat yourself. Yes. Um, <laughs> tickets are on sale now. So you can go to Graceland.com. You can learn more about the show and get your tickets there. 
And also when you come, you may see a new fresh paint job. The Lisa Marie and Elvis's smaller Lockheed Jet Star, the Hound Dog 2, are in the process of being repainted and the paint job will be completed soon. And both planes are of course on permanent display at Graceland. You can yes. actually see them from Elvis Presley Boulevard, but of course to be able to really see inside in that 70s attire that they have, <laughs> uh, be sure to purchase your tickets along with your Elvis experience. Yeah, definitely. And, and let me tell you, there is nothing any cooler than going going inside those planes, especially the Lisa Marie jet. Listen, those sinks, those sinks, those sinks. (laughs) I'm not the kind of person who gets excited about sinks, but you need to see these sinks. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) To wrap up our news, I wanted to share this blog with y'all. This month marks the 50th anniversary of Elvis's movie Speedway. Yay, we saw that. I know. So if you've you've listened to our um, Starring Elvis Presley podcast, you may want to go back and listen to that one if you need a refresher. I don't imagine you do. um, Elvis's co-star, Victoria Page Myrink, she starred as the little girl who Elvis... um, sings to in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually wrote a blog for us Aww. about her experiences with Elvis. Um, she shares some behind-the-scenes stories and some photos. Really, it is such a sweet, charming little blog. I love Victoria. If you've met her here at Graceland, you know she is absolutely a doll, and she did um, such a really a, a great service for Elvis fans to share these stories. Um, so if you want to hear that, um, or learn more about her and her blog. It's at graceland.com right now. If you go to the connect button, you'll see um, a link there for the Graceland blog. And it may be a couple of blogs down or it may be the top one. Depends on how many blogs I can write this week. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, so we really love, we really appreciate Victoria doing that for us and for all the Elvis fans out there because this is such a, it's such a cool movie anyway. It is. And then she's got some really special stories. Oh, that's awesome. Now I'm going to have to go read it. Yes, it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it for our news this week. So we are going to uh, pick up our Elvis history book. Wouldn't it be cool if we had an Elvis history book actually? I would love it. (laughs) I would actually study. There kind of (laughs) is one actually if you think of, um, Peter Goronik and Ernst Jorgensen's Day by Day. I do mm-hmm. love that book. Anyway, we're going to discuss some Elvis history because I think it's always amazing to go back in time and see what Elvis was up to. You know, whether he was famous or whether he was just a young boy from Tupelo, it seemed like he was always doing something really neat or interesting or something that puts his life in a cool perspective. Exactly. So, um, yeah, this uh, this first one here, I think, is so fascinating because it's right on the tip top of his rise to stardom, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it sounds so everyday. On July 1st, 1953, Elvis actually went to the t- uh, Tennessee Employment Security Office looking for a job. He was sent to M.B. Parker Company for a month's worth of temporary work on the assembly line. And y'all, guess what this man made? 90 cents an hour. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. And just to see how far he came. Yeah, because our next date is a really big one. (laughs) Yep. So July 5th, 1954. So pretty much a year later. Yes. um, Elvis is in that Sun Studio uh, session that we all know and love. So after trying unsuccessfully to capture old ballads, Elvis, Scotty, and Bill took a break at Sun Studio. They were feeling a little frustrated. Um, And soon Elvis just started fooling around and singing an upbeat Arthur Credup song, That's All Right. Uh, Bill and Scotty joined in, and they were just having a fun jamming session when Sam Phillips rushes to go and record that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that night, history was, of course, made, and somehow the world 
would forever be different. Yes, so going from 90 cents an hour to making a hit record that changed your life. Yes. Isn't that incredible? It is incredible. Man, that's a lot of pressure. What are you and I going to do in a year? (laughs) I know. And then uh, just two years after he recorded that song, um, Elvis is back in the studio July 2nd, 1956. He's uh, recording for RCA, and he records his hits uh, Hound Dog and Don't Be Cruel. Of course, both sides of this hit single will reach number one on the charts, and they sell so fast that RCA will present Elvis with a plaque with five gold records on it. That's incredible. Wow. So, uh, June 28th, 1957, um, Elvis appears briefly on stage in Memphis with Danny Thomas at a benefit for the St. Jude Hospital. Uh, The show includes Jane Russell, Susan Hayward, uh, Ferlin Husky, Roberta Sherwood, Lou Costello. Pretty awesome. Those are some major, major celebrities. And, of course, so is Elvis because it's 57. Right. And, of course, St. Jude is something that's not only near and dear to Memphis, but... Near and dear to Elvis's heart. Right. That's for sure. Um, and, of course, you flip uh, several, several, several years later. Um, I like this story because, again, in tying in with Elvis's generous nature, on June 23, 1965, at the conclusion of filming Frankie and Johnny, Elvis gives the cast and crew these special watches that he's designed. Like, he has designed them, y'all. That's how cool this is. Uh, the design features an alternating cross and a Jewish star symbolizing universal brotherhood. I love that. That is such a powerful message. It is. And it's one that resonates today. I love that. I love that too. And another thing I love is this next one. June 29th, <laughs> 1971. The Memphis City Council votes to change the name of Highway 51 South to Elvis Presley Boulevard. And I'm so glad they did because we get to ride to work on a really cool boulevard now. I know. (laughs) Uh, The formal ceremony occurred on January 1972. So that is so cool. Yeah. And this next story, this to me is a really funny story because... It's so Elvis, but it's also like, man, this is just, I don't know, it's hilarious. So Elvis is going to perform at Dane County Coliseum in Madison, Wisconsin on June 24th, 1977. On the way to the hotel, he has his driver stop because he sees these guys fighting at a gas station. So, you know... They pull over. Elvis gets out. The guys are so stunned to see Elvis Presley, the actual king of rock and roll, (laughs) that they stop fighting and they pose for pictures. Peacemaker. (laughs) He's a peacemaker. I love it. Me too. (laughs) So the next little bit in honor of, of course, the 68 special. Which turns 50. 50 This year. (laughs) We have some 68 special history for June. Um, so June 26, 1968, at an onset birthday party for Colonel Parker, Elvis sings especially written lyrics to the melody of It Hurts Me. The lyrics parody Parker's preoccupation with the show budget and the lack of Christmas music in the script. Yeah, because of course Colonel Parker wanted it to be a Christmas show and I think Elvis and Steve Bender were like, nah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> so uh, I love that he was sort of poking fun at Colonel Parker there. That's, That's very fun. adorable. And mark your calendars for June 28, 1968. That's when Elvis recorded the gospel segment of the 68 special, which I think is, I don't know if it's everybody's favorite, but it might be mine. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and speaking of favorite, this is mine and my mama's favorite. June 30th, 1968, Elvis tapes the closing segment of his TV special, Singing a Song, If I Can Dream, which was written especially for him. Yes, it was. 
It's and, incredible. Uh, it's it's really incredible to think about how we had so many national tragedies in 1968, mm-hmm. and they affected Elvis so deeply. Mm-hmm. And him talking about it with you know the folks working working with him on the 68 special, that's what inspired the lyrics to "If I Can Dream." So, you know, really uh, some really terrible tragedies, like I said, but they gave us, I think, one of Elvis's best songs and one of his best performances. I agree. Definitely um, one of his best performances. Y- you can tell he really felt that song in his soul. He really, yeah, it's and one I of my know, favorites. As most Elvis fans, they love that. Oh, yeah, that, definitely. That scene. And if you want to see the white suit that he's wearing there, actually, if you want to see all the suits that he wears in the 68 special, um, you need to come to Graceland because we have uh, an entire... Uh, portion of Elvis the Entertainer Career Museum dedicated to the 68 special. So if you want to learn more about that special, that's where you need to come. And of course, during Elvis week. Yeah. So um, we want to see you at Graceland, whether it's during Elvis week or just in general. And I guess to wrap up here, um, we mentioned earlier um, Elvis's airplanes mm-hmm. getting that fresh coat of paint. So we're going to share with you now an interview with uh, Mr. Ron Strauss, who visited us during Elvis week. Uh, he was a co-pilot for the Lisa Marie. So he's got some fun stories to share, and we're going to share that with you all now. Well, so. thank you, guys, and we will chat with you soon. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Who's been on a tour of the Lisa Marie airplane? Well, I don't care how many times... You have walked through Elvis's Lisa Marie airplane here on the property. You were never on board it like this gentleman was. Uh, one of the pilots that was uh, at the beck and call of the man that was up the hill when he wanted to go, TCB, baby, let's go. He is a uh, retired Air Force pilot, retired airline pilot with over 30, up uh, 30, 30,000 flying hours. He's the guy you want in the, in the cockpit. He's also a veteran of 130 support missions in Vietnam. So, this is, these are the kind of people that took care of the king. Ladies and gentlemen, please meet Mr. Ron Strauss. Good morning, everyone. So, um, what were your feelings when you uh, got up this morning coming over here and you saw that that plane out there? Well, it brought back some uh, fantastic memories. Just absolutely. How did you, uh, you were in the Air Force, you were a pilot, obviously a pilot in Vietnam, uh, knew a thing or two about airplanes. How did you end up working with Elvis Presley? Well, it was pretty interesting. Uh, I flew the Convair 880, which is the one Elvis bought, uh, one very similar to that, and the 990. So I had an awful lot of experience in that airplane, and I knew the broker, and that's basically how I got uh, hired. Yeah. What was that first meeting like with, uh, when you met Elvis? Well, uh, I'd already gotten hired by Vernon Presley, and of course he talked with Elvis, and... Uh, we got the airplane ready for him and uh, flew it, and then we brought it to uh, Memphis, and uh, we thought that Elvis would be there right then. Well, it wasn't. It was two days later. So Joe Esposito called us up and said, uh, hey, get out the airplane. Want to meet Elvis? Oh, boy. <laughs> what an excitement for this, because I'm from a small town 
originally of about five or 600 people meeting Elvis Presley. So anyway, we're in a cockpit, he comes out. Now this is the first time he's toured the airplane since it was completely done and certified. And uh, so we were all in the cockpit and they brought us out one at a time. <laughs> Here it was, walking out and meeting Elvis. I mean, I, I was really nervous as could be. And uh, he, Elvis says, well, I guess you know who I am. And I says, yes, sir, I sure do, Mr. Presley. No, no, he says, it's Ron and Elvis. I said, yes, sir. No, he said, no, sir. <laughs> and, and he just right then made you feel completely at ease. Yeah. And then uh, got, we talked a little bit, and then uh, that was how I met him. Yeah. What was it, when you were hired by Vernon, what was the, uh, the compliment of people? I mean, who, who all, how did that work? How did you, were, you, were you on call and Milo was on call? I mean, how did that work, the structure of the work? Well, yeah, we were on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. <laughs> and you could not drink. Uh, but fortunately, I was also in charge of the maintenance. Uh, not doing the maintenance, but make sure it was done correctly. And uh, so every once in a while, I would uh, ground the airplane when I knew we as a crew would like to have a couple beers or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and so this went on for quite a while. And uh, I was in talking to Mr. Presley, and he says, gee, he says, you know, you ground the airplane quite frequently. <laughs> and I says, well, yeah. I says, you know, there, there's three reasons why we do this. And he says, well, what is that? <laughs> and I says, well, there's three important people on this airplane. You, Elvis, and me. And he says, keep those inspections coming. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember your first flight on the, on the Lisa Marie? Yes, the first flight, we went from uh, Memphis to Las Vegas. And he'd been off now, and he got a contract with the Hilton for uh, two shows, I think it was, for two weeks. And then we would take off for two weeks. So we flew him to Vegas, and I was talking to Joe Esposito, and I says, hey, Joe, our crew, we'd really like to see one of Elvis's shows. And he says, how about tomorrow night? Fantastic. So off we went. Went to the show, got the best seats in the whole uh, auditorium there. And uh, Elvis starts off, and he sings two or three songs. And right in the middle of one, he says, hey, time out. He says, you know, I bought this airplane, and my flight crew is here tonight. And by each name, he made us stand up and uh, introduce wow. us. From then on, you couldn't buy nothing at the Hilton. How about that from Elvis? <laughs> That's the kind of guy he was. Yeah. It's interesting to me because uh, that really wasn't something at the time that was done where an entertainer owned his own plane and pretty much had a crew and, and people would lease planes and things like that. But he actually owned a plane, and that's just amazing to me. Yeah, he owned it lock, stock, and barrel. In fact, I told him uh, on the registration, it says Elvis Presley Enterprise. And I says, you know, Elvis, that's probably not too smart. If we did have an accident or something, uh, you'd be sued. He says, you worry about the flying, I'll worry about the registration. But the, the airplane burnt about 2,000 gallons an hour. And uh, I can't remember now what we were paying, probably 50, 75 cents a gallon. Yeah. I always have heard about the, uh, the difficulty for a, an airplane like this airplane, that, that model of airplane, 
of making the trip to Hawaii? I mean, how? Uh, it was no problem basically at all because originally the airplane was uh, configured to carry, uh, I think it was 120 people. And when we got done, uh, we could carry 29. So Honolulu is the hardest leg basically in the world to fly because there's no place to land between San Fran or Oakland and Honolulu. And the distance is 2,165 nautical miles. But anyway, uh, Elvis had not been back to Hawaii uh, since he'd done that uh, famous uh, show there. And uh, so when I found out where we were going, I talked to, called Joe Esposito, and I said, hey, Joe, I want to take my wife on this trip. And uh, Joe says, oh, he says, we got four seats open out of Memphis, but none, in fact, we got people on standby going from uh, Oakland to Honolulu. Well, I said, okay, that's the way it is. So we go to Oakland, take off for Honolulu, and there's four open seats. And I thought, oh, man, this is a chance of my lifetime, you know. But anyway, we get about halfway to Honolulu, and um, Elvis comes in the cockpit, and he says, hey, how's it going, gang? I said, just fine. I said, we'll be there. The weather's good. We'll be there in a couple hours. And he says, Ron, I am really, and I won't use the word. And I says, no, that's fine. No, he says, I'm madder than hell. He says, your wife should be on this flight. I said, well, that's the way it goes. No, he says, when we land in Honolulu, you call her up, tell her to get out here right now. Wow. First class airline ticket, Memphis to Honolulu. And I said, Elvis, I'm not going to do that. And he looked back at me and he says, well, do you like flying for me? Yes. <laughs> This is the kind of guy he was. And I says, well, sure I do. I mean, fine. He said, do I pay you enough? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and he says, when we get to Honolulu, if Betty is not out here tomorrow, I'm going to find somebody else to fly this airplane back. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to challenge him on that. I don't think he would have done it, but the threat was there. So I called my wife. I says, hey, tell your boss you need a time off. Get a babysitter for the kids. You're going to Honolulu. Ah, oh, she says, gee, I, that's very expensive. I said, don't worry about it. Elvis is paying every bit of it. <laughs> Walked up, first class airline ticket, Memphis, Honolulu. She spent about three or four days there, and then we didn't know when we were coming back. So first class airline ticket, all the way back to Memphis. Then coming back four or five days later, Elvis walks in the cockpit again. Hey, did your wife, Betty, enjoy her trip? And I said, thanks very much. I really appreciate that. He said, nothing's too good for my pilots. Well, then we land back at Memphis. The next day, I take a lot of bills into Mr. Presley, got it all situated, and then I took this airline ticket, and I sort of pushed it into, I said, would you mind, uh, you know, looking at this? Oh, no, he said, Elvis and I talked last night. Nancy, just pay him. And I said, but Mr. Presley, don't you want to look at it? Nope. He says, I already know. Pay him. Paid the ticket. Yeah. How's that for treating the crew? He was, um, 
the, the generosity is something that just continues to come through from almost every person that I talk to about, about things, about gifting things and giving people things. And you, you, were all, you received more than just an airline ticket from Elvis. Yeah, it was, uh, he was generous. Now, this is 40 years ago plus, and the tips would be 100 300 500 or $1,000 at a time. $1,000 back then. I mean, today ain't a bad piece of change, but back then it was really good. <laughs> but we're taking off out of Long Beach, heading out to Las Vegas, and uh, it was a Seal Beach departure, which is out over the Pacific Ocean initially, and you got to pay attention to what you're doing under the instruments. And uh, Elvis walks in the cockpit shortly after takeoff and throws his check down on the radio panel. <laughs> I just glanced at it, and I thought it was uh, $300. Well, no big deal. And the flight engineer and the other pilot was just really going crazy over it. And uh, I wasn't paying any attention to it. So the pilot says, Ron, give me the airplane. Look at that check. I looked at check and it was $3,000, $1,000 a piece. Enjoy it, he says. Wow. And you also, I mean, Elvis, Lisa Marie had a birthday one time that, uh, that you have an interesting story about. Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> uh, Elvis, uh, it was Lisa Marie's seventh or eighth birthday somewhere in that area. And we were taking her back to uh, Long Beach to his mother, her mother. So we stopped in Denver and got these, you probably have heard about it, about the peanut butter and banana jelly uh, sandwiches. They were this long <laughs> and that big around, $28 a piece. And of course, we brought those, they brought them on the plane and uh, we sang, they had a birthday cake and we sang happy birthday to Lisa Marie, and I bet you can't guess who the lead singer was. It wasn't me. <laughs> so in the meantime, we were looking at the weather, and uh, we were going into Long Beach, and the whole basin was zero, zero. So we brought Elvis in the cockpit, and we said, hey, Elvis, we'll go hold there, but we're not, nobody's getting in, and uh, we'll have to divert, and diverting in this airplane with you aboard is really... Uh, if you don't plan this out, it's really a hassle. And he says, okay, just wait a minute. So he took the, one of the security guards, and he said, take Lisa Marie in the hotel, take her to her airline tomorrow. And then he comes back, he goes, go to Louisiana. I think it was Baton Rouge or Shreesport, something like that. Well, <laughs> to do that with no pre-planning is a pain. So off we go. We head to Baton Rouge or someplace in Louisiana, and we land right at daybreak. And Elvis is standing in the cockpit, or seated in the cockpit, which he'd done quite frequently for takeoff and landing. And uh, so we landed, had no idea where to get fuel or ground support. So we asked ground, we said, hey, where can we get fuel? He said, try that Texco over there. All right. So we get there, and they get the air stair up there. And here comes this young night manager on board, and he says, what do you guys want? Sort of like sarcastic. And I said, well, we'd like to get some fuel. And he says, uh, well, how much fuel do you want? And I said, 5,000 gallons will do. And well, who in the heck's going to, I used a different word. He says, who in the heck's going to pay for this? I said, that guy right back there. He turns around, Elvis Presley, oh my God. He says, give them anything they want. We don't care. 
And he says, you know, my wife's in love with you. <laughs> what's, what's new? <laughs> and so we, we go ahead and uh, uh, he calls his wife. Now you imagine this wife, and he's probably 30 years old, in bed, sound asleep, gets this call. Get out here right now and you meet Elvis Presley. And what do you do? Do you put your makeup on or do you hustle out? <laughs> so uh, we told him, said, you better hustle because uh, we can only drag our feet so much. And he turned out to be a real nice guy. And we were dragging our feet, dragging our feet. And then uh, security came up and said, hey, do we have a maintenance problem or anything? We said, well, no, we just, it takes a little time to take care of things. And he says, well, Elvis is wanting to go to Memphis. So uh, we had to button everything up and taxi out. As we started taxiing out, here comes this woman. She's just waving like Dickinson. So much for that trick. Gone. <laughs> History. You were, um, you know, we are here this week remembering Elvis and remembering where we were 40 years ago. And 40 years ago, you were here. Yeah. Tell us about just why you were here and you were getting ready to go on a tour, right? Well, uh, I was at the mansion uh, talking to Vernon Presley, uh, the shack behind or the building behind the mansion, and uh, getting bills paid and different things, arrangements made. And uh, uh, Vernon at that time was not in the best of health. So uh, I got done with all the arrangements and I went out and back, and Elvis had some go-karts, some real nice ones. Mm -hmm. And he asked, uh, he said, you guys go drive them all you want. I don't care. And so I did, played with them a little bit, and then it got about 10 o'clock, and I thought, well, uh, I better get home and get some sleep because we were going, I think it was to Portland, I'm not sure, that night. And uh, so I saw Nancy, the cousin, escorting Vernon Presley into the mansion. And I thought, man, he don't look too good. And then... I got home and my daughter is saying, ooh, Elvis died. And I said, no, that, that was his father. Well, it was Elvis, so wow. that's where it was. Yeah, and you were in the funeral procession. Yeah, I was fortunately, uh, with the tips Elvis gave me, I bought a, a Corvette. Uh, it was with, a 19, with, with the tip tips, money. yeah. Tip money, yeah. What a way to buy a Corvette. <laughs> I still got it. Yes. Still have it. And you, and, and you drove that in the, in the funeral procession. Yeah, and here's how yeah. that happened. By the way, if anybody's got a pictures of the yellow Corvette in the uh, funeral procession, get a hold of me and I'd like to get it. But anyway, uh, after Elvis passed, uh, we were invited to uh, the funeral procession and the, and the process. And uh, so I drove the yellow Corvette into the mansion and parked it way in back because we were all supposed to get in limos. And... Uh, do the funeral, the first funeral. So then, uh, just before we the procession started going, the uh, state policeman came up and he says, who owns that yellow Corvette over there? And uh, they pointed to me and I said, yeah, I own it. He said, would you mind driving it in the funeral procession? And I says, no, I wouldn't mind it at all. <laughs> so I said, why? Yeah. He said, well, we, as you know, you saw tens of thousands of people lined the, uh, all the way to the cemetery, basically. And he says, we want to identify the very last car, and we figure that that yellow vet will do it. You bet. I'm in. 
Wow. So we did. We drove it. We drove it in there. And then, uh, of course, uh, we were the last car in there. And uh, we buried Elvis. And then and my wife got the flowers off the coffin. And when I give these talks around the U.S., I take these if I can. I'm right now on tour. Uh, I'm not tour, but I got my RV up in Michigan. But anyway... Uh, so when it was all over, we were all supposed to go back to Mansion for coffee and donuts. And uh, of course, the, the back uh, state cop car, he got siren going, the lights going, and I just pulled out right by, behind him because I thought that was what, where we're going. And we're going 70, 80, 90 mile an hour down whatever boulevard it was. And uh, my wife says, uh, you know, I don't think this is good. I said, why not? He says, she says, look in the rear of your mirror. And I says, I haven't had time. She says, well, there's nobody behind us. Uh, <laughs> so I knew it was a mistake, but we were really having fun. So I said, well, <laughs> my, well, let's roll the dice. And she, we missed a turnoff to the mansion. She says, see, I told you. <laughs> and so we head to the airport, and the cop car stops there, and we stop behind it. And the guy jumps out, jumps on the airplane, and takes off. And I asked one of the ground guys, I said, who, who was that? He said, that was the governor of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> Big mistake. <laughs> when, uh, when you came out, I introduced you and said that uh, uh, you had 30,000 uh, flying hours. And that's kind of a measure of a pilot of, of flying hours. Of, of, and that's a, an impressive number. I would have to think um, those missions you had in Vietnam are were dangerous but memorable. The hours with Elvis are memorable and something beyond uh, wonderful that it must have been to, to kind of balance being in the air like that. Um, when, you, when you talk to, uh, to audiences like this, um, you have a special connection with Elvis and, and, and that plane uh, that I think that a lot of us, we, we see it now sitting there and we can't imagine what it must have been like to be in the air. And uh, it's just great to have you here to, to talk to us and, to, and to, to tell that story. And we thank you for being here today. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. Ron Strauss.